Auburn has added veteran center Avery Jones from Eastern Carolina. I believe he will be Auburn's next center. He has a ton of experience and has actually played college football during the 2018 season, 19, 20, 21, and last year. I mean, the guy's played an absolute ton. So a lot to like about this. It's funny. We just got done recording the episode and we ranked all of the incoming transfers. So his name will not be on the list when you talk about instant impact, but I believe he will certainly have an instant impact for the Auburn Tigers this upcoming season. I think just through the transfer portal, you have picked up three of your starting five offensive linemen, which is very, very exciting with Gunnar Britton and Dylan Wade. It's possibly and probably your tackles. And now with Avery Jones being your center, you're pretty much there. I mean, there, there's just so much to like about what Hugh Freeze has done. And we'll kind of go into detail about every single transfer with the exception of Avery Jones. But a few notes that I wanted to share with you last year, Avery Jones played 852 snaps for East Carolina, including a 65.8 offensive grade. But here's the kicker. 78.7 pass blocking grade. There's absolutely a ton of things to like about this. So obviously you lose Nick Brahms. There's a ton of questions about the center position. And we were all kind of thinking, man, can Connor Liu possibly start as a center and now he doesn't have to. This is the best case scenario. You have this guy come in, start and lead your offensive line for a season with other veterans up front while you've already got a pretty good recruiting class on the offensive front. Let those guys do their thing. Let the younger guys learn. And then all of a sudden, you've got these redshirt freshmen or true sophomores, depending on how Hugh Freeze wants to do the whole roster management side of things and how much you want them to play. And all of a sudden, you're set for this year. You're set for following seasons. This is a win-win for everyone involved. So once again, we recorded the <laughs> bulk of this show. Uh, then minutes after Avery Jones committed, we'll discuss him in the coming days. But the big picture is instant starter at center for the Auburn Tigers and allows you to kind of have a bridge of him being the starter and then somebody coming behind him in the following seasons to get that experience. Huge win. Let's get into the rest of the show. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Black. I mean, thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen Every single day. Happy War Report Wednesday to all you yeah. celebrate. Mike G is back. Good to have you, buddy. And uh, we will get uh, we'll get John Garcia's thoughts on the newest commits from the high school ranks, Tyler Scott and Cedar Johnson, later in the show today. But Mike G, I've got a list. We'll go from most impactful, immediate impact. We'll talk immediate impact. One to nine. As we sit down to record this, there are nine incoming transfers. Uh, midday on Tuesday, and you ready to jump into it? Yeah, let's go. All right, I got Gunnar Britton having the most impact on this roster. I, I think Gunnar Britton has a chance. The the former Western Kentucky tackle has the he has the ability to just change this offense. Not only is he an incredible tackle, and I think he'll be the best offensive tackle Auburn's had since Greg Robinson, which is high praise. But I also think him being 
at left tackle will allow Dylan Wade to excel at right tackle. Maybe you can scoot somebody in from tackle to guard like an Xavier Miller. Uh, regardless, I think it's going to allow you to have more position battles at the other four spots, which is encouraging because you need as much competition and as much reason to get better as possible on that offensive front. Uh, I agree with this one. Listen, Auburn is recruiting offensive linemen, Zach. Who who knew this nine. could happen? For, There's nine coming in. Who knew this could happen, right? Fans have been clamoring for this uh, since Brian Harson hit the planes. Um, you know, Gus was doing it poorly before. Uh, and Hugh Freeze has attacked this position with, you know, a viciousness. I'll call it a viciousness that Auburn has not seen. So for Gunnar Britton, I think, you know, having not only talent come in at offensive tackle, uh, but experience is super important for Auburn. And now the Auburn, the, the offensive line shuffle has killed Auburn over the years, right? Yeah. Moving one guy to this position and oh, dude, we'll try this guy at center and, and, and everybody's out of their natural position. I think it's, it's killed them. Uh, bringing Gun, Gunner Britton in, I think will help kind of bring a guy in who's a natural tackle, let other guys be natural at their positions as well. Big pickup for Auburn. Yeah. And then the, the number two guy, and I think, I think you have to have this conversation, including both of these guys, Dylan Waite, the former tackle from Tulsa. I mean, I think I'm with you. I mean, to an extent, you want the right five guys, but mm -hmm. the best five guys aren't always the best unit, right? Correct. I mean, if you've got guards playing tackles, but he's one of the best five, that's not necessarily the best thing that you want. And that's kind of what we've been seeing since halfway through the Gus Malzahn era, right, Mike G? And so that's that's something that we're going to have to, uh, that we're going to get to see kind of take shape. And look, if you go into spring with Britton and Wade as your bookends, all of a sudden you feel good about what's going to happen in between them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dylan Wade, also a big pickup. Now, again, at the tackle position, um, you know, Auburn's going to need some help. There's, there's, there was a lot of attrition in the offensive line after this year. You had some guys transfer out. Um, you know, you've got a lot of talent. You know, Auburn was hurt by Brahms not playing the season. Sure. Um, you know, and uh, bringing in, you know, again, two tackles uh, from the portal. Now, we, you know, you, you and I have talked ad nauseum about the portal. Hugh Freeze talked about quick turnarounds. And to achieve a quick turnaround in the situation with as many open roster slots as Auburn had, yeah. getting tackles out of the portal was going to be important. Brian Harson couldn't do it for some reason. Mm -hmm. He couldn't get guys. I was like, are there not guys out there? Now, I don't know how these guys will pan out, Zach. I have no clue how these guys will pan out. So for, this will be one of, mark my words, this is going to be one of the most anticipated springs because of the guys like Dylan Wade and Gunnar Britton that they're bringing in to see how they protect the quarterback. Are they giving Robbie Ashford and um, uh, Holden? Holden yes, who I yeah. like a lot, right? The protection they need because they're going to have to play a different game when Holden's in, right? So, you know, your, your left tackle is, is your most important position because you're protecting the blind side of the quarterback. All right, so you need a solid left tackle that you can depend on and trust if you're going to play at a high level, especially as a pocket passer. All right, currently the third most impactful transfer coming into Auburn. I've got Elijah McAllister at mm. number three, largely because I think there's a solid chance that he fights for that starting edge spot, mm -hmm. and we'll see. I think it's going to be him or Keldrick Falk, so you either go with one of the more experienced guys on the roster that's played like a 1,000, close to a 1,000 defensive snaps at Vanderbilt, to a guy that hasn't played a snap of college football. So you kind of get both ends of it, which is good for both the present and for the future at the edge position uh, at Auburn University. But I like uh, I like Elijah McAllister's size. 
I like that he's going to be able to be relevant in stopping the run as well as, you know, he's not just a pass rusher. And, I mean, this doesn't really matter, but we've had some luck with uh, with Vandy defensive transfers with Donovan Kaufman. So, uh, yeah, I got Elijah McAllister at number three. Your thoughts on me putting them there? Uh, this is a guy who actually played wide receiver in high school. Wild. Wild, right? Like, he was 6'6", 215, playing wide receiver, and now he's at the edge. Imagine uh, guarding that. As like going, a as like a five nine corner or something like right. that'd be wild. Insane. So uh, I like Elijah McAllister a lot. Now the edge position I'm iffy on. Um, now I know you sure. said that you think that he's going to push for a starting spot there. I've really liked Dylan Brooks for a long time. I think you know toward the end of the season you started seeing him getting in there. He had some batted down balls at the end of the season. Um, but on defense, I, I I'm expecting them to rotate a lot of guys. Now I don't know if you remember, but when he, when Coach Freeze was at Ole Miss, they had what they called the Land Shark defense. Yeah. And they ran around like this and they did, and they beat Saban a couple times. But uh, I don't know what version, I don't know the version of that defense. I don't know what the name of the defense is going to be this year, but getting pressure off the edge is going to be super important. It's something yeah. that, you know, Derek Hall did well. Uh, I believe, um, uh, you know, we can improve at that position as yeah. well this year. I think they can improve even in spite of the loss of Derek Hall, which is a huge loss. Yeah, and obviously you lose Eku, you lose Marcus Bragg. I mean, that was when you look at the pressures that you lost last year. I mean, Owen Papo had several, and it's like there's just not a whole lot of pressures coming back to this roster. So that's a big concern, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if uh, Elijah McAllister can can help fill that void mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and Dylan Brooks. I'm probably not giving Dylan Brooks as much credit as he deserves. I just he's got to fill out his frame, Mike G, and yep. hopefully another year in an SEC. Uh, weight room will do that. My number four, and after after this guy in the list, I think there's a pretty sizable drop-off. But my fourth most impact, impactful transfer at the moment is Demario Tolan, mm-hmm. the linebacker from LSU. Spoke with Locked On LSU host Caroline Fenton, and you'll hear from her on tomorrow's show about mm-hmm. Demario Tolan. But this is a guy that LSU did not want to lose. And this is a guy, like, when you go back, and Caroline touches on this, you'll hear her talk about it on tomorrow's show, but Brian Kelly, when he was asked about the defense, like, he went out of his way to constantly mention Demario Tolan. It almost kind of seemed like, you know, when Bruce Pearl talked about Jalen Williams at the end of the season last year, he's like, don't transfer, don't transfer, don't transfer. We still love you. We've got plans for you. And uh, Demario Tolan ended up, of course, leaving LSU and they didn't want him to leave. And so I think that's pretty telling when LSU, I mean, they're recruiting at a pretty high level right now and what Brian Kelly has been able to do. And, you know, they won the SEC West and you get a part of that defense um, in the future of what they thought would be the future of that defense. I think Demario Tolan at a position of need when linebackers pretty thin, there's a lot to like. So I've got him at four. I possibly could put him at three. Yeah. With the loss of Owen Peppo, right? Like, you know, again, Getting experienced linebacker play in is going to be really important. This unit, this was a unit that underperformed. Let's be clear. The linebacker unit underperformed. They uh, were choosing the wrong gaps constantly. Yeah. You know, they were not assignment sound. Um, they made plays at times, certainly. So it wasn't like a talentless unit. Um, but, you know, I would argue this is on defense. This is the position that needs the most improvement year over year is linebacker. Right. Um, so uh, we'll yeah, see I mean, how. Bringing in the experience from LSU, you know, I think I think it's huge for I think it's huge for Auburn this landing. Honestly, yeah, th- they they underachieved 
Mike G. Owen underachieved. I think Cam Riley underachieved. Wesley Steiner, I think we all expect more out of him. Like, I don't, I don't think there's really anyone in the linebacker room where we're like, yes, they played at the level we kind of thought that they would. So uh, I'm with you. I think Demario Tolan helps you get closer to where that unit needs to be. All right, I think there's a big drop-off here from five to nine. I'll explain where I have certain guys and why. We'll get Mike G's thoughts on it in just a moment. But the next two guys, I'm going to kind of group them together. You'll see why in a moment. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting sports info, stats, news, and analysis. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info and uh, everything that you need to wager on your favorite sports. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Mike G of the War Report, welcome back, my friend. All right, at number five, I have the defensive lineman, uh, Mosiah Nasili Kite, and I'll go ahead and lump in my sixth most impactful transfer for 2023, the defensive lineman, Lawrence Johnson. Of course, Lawrence Johnson from Purdue, Nasili Kite from Maryland. Uh, your thoughts on me putting those guys there? Depth pieces along the defensive front, you need them, but I don't think they're going to have a huge impact that really shows up on the stat sheet. Yeah, I agree with this completely. Um, you, you need you need depth, and keep saying again. This spring, we're going to see a lot from these guys. They, they have a lot to evaluate. I think Hugh Freeze yeah. has more to evaluate this spring than you, than you would like uh, to have on sure. your plate. So you know, with these two guys that you're talking about, um, it's going to be interesting to see where they land and to do one of them show out this spring, you know, how, how, how much competition is going to be happening on the planes is going to be interesting to watch during the spring with these two guys. Yeah. And I mean, both guys have one year left of eligibility. So like you love that they're, they're coming in with a mindset of like, I want to compete. I want to be a part of an SEC program. We'll see what that turns into. I said this in an earlier show, Mike G, but sounds similar to the Morris Joseph situation when he came from Memphis his stats were a little bit more explosive. I think he had like eight sacks. He was coming in with eight sacks. I don't think these guys really have that. So it's a little different of a situation, but still, um, if you could get two Morris Joseph type players out of this, I think that would be a huge win. At number seven, this may ruffle some feathers. I think the next three actually may ruffle a few feathers, Mike G. But my next one is the tight end, Rivaldo Fairweather. I have him at seventh. I, I think he will be a piece of the offense. I do not think he will be. Um, like featured necessarily, but there, um, there you go. I've got Rivaldo Fairweather, the former FIU tight end, big body dude. I've got him at seven. Yeah, uh, this guy, what a huge pickup. Yeah, he can right? play. Yeah, and you know what I thought? I thought instantly, um, Evan Ingram played under Hugh Freeze, and this a little this, different this, build. This, he's a little different. He's, yeah, he's bigger. He's bigger than Evan Ingram, yeah. but like. Uh, Hugh Freeze has been able to get the most out of the tight end position. This is a massively talented guy, totally. right? And, and so uh, this 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 le- this signing uh, might be one of the most significant um, going into the fall because the offensive system that they're going to be running uh, is going. I I feel is going to feature the, high, the tight end heavily, um, and having a guy like you know uh, Rivaldo who can do it all literally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's got pretty good uh, blocking technique. And uh, he can get out there and move some guys as well as catch the ball and get off. Yeah, man, I, I love this. You know, it's, this might be one of the most underrated pickups, even though, it, well, I mean, he didn't fly under the radar, but I, I love this pickup. Well, I got him at seven. Should I have him higher? Yeah, maybe. How far maybe, up do you think? Maybe about three spots higher. So you have him ahead of the defensive lineman? Yeah, like, man, listen, Auburn, okay. has, to get, Auburn has to get going on offense, Zach. Yeah. 
Auburn has to get going on offense. I think, you know, the defense has been a concern, but, you know, they played well in longer stretches over the last couple of years than we have on offense. And so having playmakers on offense for whoever's going to be the quarterback is going to be super important. I'm curious to see how they use the tight end room and, like, what he thinks of the tight ends currently on roster. Like, we know he loves Landon King. I mean, it seems like they had a conversation, the heart-to-heart, the Evan Ingram discussion, which is great. But I'm curious to see if he treats Landon King as a tight end or a wide receiver when it's all said and done, mm-hmm. or both, right? Or both. And I think that's going to impact Rivaldo Fairweather one way or the other. Um, I, I, I'm cool with putting him ahead of the defensive tackles. Yeah. The defensive linemen. I, I think that makes sense. I don't know Auburn if I'm doing it, but, but I think it makes sense. Um, number eight, I got Brian Batty, mm-hmm. the, the running back from the University of South Florida. Just because of the, the running back room, and I was talking with Lindsay on the Auburn Daily show yesterday, and Lindsay kind of pointed out all the special teams numbers, and I'm like, man, that's, that's something about, um, you know, there's something about that that's definitely helpful too. When you talk about maximizing a roster spot or a scholarship in this sense, you know, you, you get second slash third running back, also potential starting kick returner. There's a lot to like about Batty here. Mm, listen, I, I like the running back room to me is deep. So good. Yeah, it's so good, right? It's four and deep so now, yeah. I don't, I don't hate this signing, uh, but you do lose tank, right? So bringing a guy in who has played significant snaps, um, maybe I'll be interested to see again what kind of look they give him during the spring as well uh, to evaluate. But um, I like Jarquez Hunter is my guy. Jarquez Hunter is 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 RB one going into the season. Uh, right. Demari Austin I thought showed us some great things. Where does Brian Batty fit in this mix, right? Because you have some young guys that played pretty significant time last year, right? And so if you're Demari Austin and you're and they're bringing in this transfer, you're thinking, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. right? Like we're not we're not playing this game, right? He's gonna he's He's here. Great. Now, yeah. they're going to use him at a special teams capacity. If he's got other skills, I'm all for it as well. But I, I like Auburn's running back room. So I think where you have him ranked is right where he should be. Yeah. And, and look, I think all nine of these guys are going to contribute. And I think they're all going to have an impact. You just you got to put somebody at eighth and got to put somebody at nine. Um, Batty had this is from uh, this will be up on Auburn Daily uh, for our stat of the day today. But Batty has. He had 280 rushing attempts during his three seasons at South Florida. Jarquez Hunter has just 193 career rushing attempts. So by far the most experienced back. Mario Austin's coming back with 14. And obviously Jeremiah Cobb hasn't touted the rock in college yet. So, I mean, he's he's got more touches than, than the whole running back room does. So there's a lot of value with that. All right, my last guy, and then we'll get to a conversation with John Garcia talking about Tyler Scott and CJ Johnson. But Nick Mardner the massive 6'6 wide receiver, former yeah, Cincinnati Bearcat. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, I think he's going to have an impact on this team. And if he ends up being a number one wide receiver or even a number two wide receiver on this roster, he is extremely too low. But just right now, I kind of like the fit of everybody else a little bit more than him. Just being honest, Mike G, am I right or wrong? Uh, I'm in between on this one. Okay. All right, it's hard to ignore a 6'6 guy. Who maybe a go, uh, like you know does Auburn have a jump ball guy right now? If you had to name a jump ball guy on this roster, who 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 are you naming? Two. It's a wrestle between um, Camden Brown or Landon mm-hmm. King. Right. So 
Uh, having the jump ball guy is not bad. It's not going to be bad. Uh, and maybe that's the role that he plays, you yeah. know, you know, not a, you know, just somebody who can go up and, and get a catch for you, uh, elevate quickly. Uh, but I, I've liked Auburn's wide receiver room for a long time. I think that they've been underrated. I think the system has made them look a lot worse than they are. In, 100%. In theory, right. Yeah. Um, you know, and we haven't been able to get to ball to them consistently. So they're going out there and they're blocking. God, I mean, over the last four games of the season, you know, I mean, we ran, 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 ran. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be like that under Hugh Freeze. So uh, this is another guy I keep stressing, man. They have so much to evaluate this. Spring. Right. They have so much. Um, so they're going to have to go into overdrive, you know, having eyes on these guys. I think you have him ranked right where he should be. Did last uh, in terms of importance. Now, it doesn't mean that he won't have an impact or, you know, hey, maybe he rises the depth chart somehow and is better yeah. than we think. But with Camden Brown, Jay Fair is a guy that I'm looking to climb the depth chart next year. Uh, he did some things at the end of last season. They just have talent. Camden Brown, good. They just got talent. They've got talent there, and I think Hugh Freeze is going to be able to get the ball to those guys. Yeah, I mean, Amari Kelly, Coy Moore, Javaris Johnson, Tavares Dawson. I mean, there, there's dudes on this team. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let us know in the YouTube comments or in the Locked Out Auburn Discord. You can free. All you have, uh, it's free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. How would you rank these nine as far as instant impact? I'm curious to see what y'all's answers are. Mike G, how can people uh, how can people give you some love, buddy? Uh, just go over to YouTube, hit subscribe. We're the War Report on everything. So if you visit thewarreport.com. <laughs> you can see more of our content. Uh, we're cranking it out over there. So just go check us out. Joining us now, recruiting expert John Garcia. Thank you so much to LinkedIn Jobs for being the official recruiting sponsor across the Locked On Podcast Network. John, since we last spoke, Auburn's gotten a ton of commits, but from the high school level, they've gotten two defensive backs, Tyler Scott and C.J. Johnson. Let's start with Tyler Scott. Listed as a corner, could be a safety, 6'1", 190 to 200-ish, depending on where you look. But every article I read about this guy, it's the three-star prospect with the five-star offer list. What do you like about Tyler Scott? Yeah, imagine imagine that, right? Down the stretch, everybody in the SEC want, wanted a piece of Tyler Scott. He ends up picking the Tigers. Look, there's a lot to like here. You mentioned the frame. He is a college ready-made prospect from a physical standpoint. And that's yeah. just not something that you inherit in a given recruiting class, much less a transition class. And I think that combined with the athleticism, th this guy lines up at safety, at corner, at nickel. He's pressing guys at the line of scrimmage as much as he's playing the ball 50 yards down the field. There's a physical element to his game from a run support perspective and a, a pass breakup, you know, a ball arrival perspective that is really intriguing as well. 6-1 brings requisite length uh, on top of all of that. So there's really a lot to mold here. Uh, and I think it's a good situation for him because with, with Zach Etheridge and that coaching staff, He's going to be able to get thrust in the mix if need be, but more likely be able to develop around some some really talented defensive backs. I think once the technical elements get there, this could be a really impressive boundary corner. I mean, he, he kind of profiles like Carlton Davis a little bit. Don't want to put those expectations on him, but physically, those are some of the same things we said about Carlton coming out of South Florida. Big, physical, extremely comfortable at the line of scrimmage and already well-versed in man-to-man -man coverage, which is not 
very common nowadays with high school corners. A lot of these schemes are very zone specific because, you know, it's just easier to say, hey, go sit back and react as opposed to developing that one on one technique. But from a reps perspective, Tyler already has a lot of that in his bag. That's why he had a good week out in Texas at the All-American Bowl before he went public, at least with that Auburn commitment. Can can Tyler Scott be as physical as Carlson Davis? Because I mean, that guy would beat the crap out of people at the line. There, there are some samples. I mean, wa- watch the Tyler tape. There are some samples where he is pushing guys into their own backfield, theoretically, hey. as well as out of bounds. So the desire to do so is there. And he's a little bit bigger physically than, yeah. than Carlton was. Carlton was probably 175, 180 coming out of high school. Uh, Tyler's already closer to 200 pounds. So there is a true physical element in that desire to embarrass you at the line of scrimmage, which we don't see as much from the cornerback position. That's something we talk about more with offensive linemen. They want to bury you. They want to finish you. There's some of that in Tyler Scott's game, and I love it. It it screams confidence, and it screams, you know, hey, we can shut down a side of the field before you even get your route going. So you got to coach that back a little bit and and maybe not have him be over aggressive, but you would always prefer to dial it back than to gear another guy up to, to potentially look that aggressive. All right, let's look at the other defensive back that's committed since we last spoke, John. C.J. Johnson, the three-star. Most places have him as a safety. Some places have him listed just as a DB, but 6'3", a little north of 190. Similar size, a little bit taller, but what do you like about uh, C.J. Johnson? Yeah, he really stands out on tape. C.J. is, is extremely big, as, as you mentioned, the size uh, really. If you stand out in Texas from a physical standpoint, you're, you're pretty impressive in the yeah. height and weight department. But what I love about C.J.'s game is – he really does play everywhere. Uh, I think with that size, you I when I watched the tape, I assumed I was going to see a lot of box stuff, stuff near the line of scrimmage, basically profiling as an extra linebacker at the high school level. But I saw him at corner. I saw him work the nickel really well. Wow. So I, I think that versatility that he's already shown is quite intriguing. And when you pair it with what his body might look like at the next level, Maybe it's a hybrid linebacker safety type, an extra sub defender. Either way, in this day and age, Zach, you need these hybrid types who can work backwards, forwards, and laterally all the same. And CJ will profile to me in that regard. Uh, if, if you want to do, you know, play the comp game there, think of a Smoke Monday, a guy who can really move around with length and physicality. You talk about a striker, he's really impressive at, at the point of contact at a defensive-laden, very well-coached high school program uh, there in the Houston area as well. So a lot of boxes checked with with C.J. Johnson. And look, Texas is becoming more and more important for for Auburn as as this new staff kind of settles in. Yeah, and and as you made that comparison, Smoke Monday probably just got called for targeting somewhere. Well, you know, aggression is is a little different today than it was even five years ago. But you'll (laughs) again, you'll take it more times than not. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, I mean, this defensive back group for Auburn is pretty incredible. Kay and Lee, Sylvester Smith, Terrence Love, Tyler Scott, Colton Hood, J.C. Hart, C.J. Johnson. I mean, this group of DBs in this class, like, it's pretty remarkable. And you've got a little bit of everything, right? I I think you've got some pure corner nickel types like a Kay and Lee, uh, but then you got so many guys who you can kind of blend in between. I mean, Sylvester Smith could line up as a boundary corner, a nickel, or a deep safety without even blinking. And these bigger prospects, I mean, Kay and Lee's the he's kind of the outlier. He's the 5'10 guy. Everyone else, yeah. I think, is six foot six one or better. So you're 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 bringing in so much length and versatility on top of it that there's really a lot to like about this secondary class. And even more remarkable, it kind of came together 
pretty late in the game. I mean, outside, really outside of, of, of J.C. Hart. I mean, it's it's all later editions, December, January type uh, of editions and or flips. So um, really impressive overall what Auburn's been able to put together. But obviously, from a volume standpoint, the secondary looks like it's going to be in good shape for quite some time. John Garcia, thank you for your uh, time as always, my friend. Thank you so much to Mike G. And thank you so much to John Garcia for joining us on the show today. You can find all my written work at auburndaily.com. And we'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.